On Second Shot, we cover two new stories every week to find out what kind of wisdom the world is dishing out today. And at the heart of every one of these stories are people, just like you and me, who've had to overcome incredible odds, to face the greatest challenges, to struggle and fight back. But now, we're changing it up. In these episodes, we're skipping the headlines and going straight to the people that inspire us to grow, to be bold, seek change, and act courageously when the rest of the world may not. A second look, a second chance, a second shot. This is Second Shot Sit-Downs with your host, Jenny Anchando. Hello, hello, everybody. Welcome to Second Shot. I'm Jenny Anchando, and you know this is gonna be another Second Shot sit-down. We've been looking at all these different perspectives of how we can take a second shot at life, and our guest today is somebody who took a second shot at not just her life, but also her faith journey, and it has to do with something that she went through when she lost her father on September 11th. So I wanna welcome in Susan Van Volkenberg. She is an oncology nurse, a homeschool mom, a musical evangelist, and author of Silent Resolve and The God Who Let Me Down. Susan, welcome. Thank you. You guys have to know the backstory on this. Heath and I were actually staying at a treehouse over this. It's actually the only place we've gone during this whole pandemic because it was very distant to go to this, this treehouse in Celeste, Texas. It's called Savannah's Meadow. It's a bed and breakfast. We took Brighton and it was the most beautiful experience. And we really got to connect with Susan. At the end of our visit, we were in the gift shop and I was looking at this, this book called Silent Resolve and the God Who Let Me Down in the, in the gift shop. And come to find out, Susan, who also runs and operates the bed and breakfast, had written the book. So I went ahead and bought it. And I just, there, there could not have been a more divine connection. I knew when we met that that was happening for a very specific reason. So we look at this and I, I just kind of want to go back to why you're an author already and you had written books before. Let's talk about the very hard story and the very hard moment that you went through right from the top here that led you to writing this book. You lost your dad on September 11th. Yes, I did. I felt that uh, his legacy and uh, for the sake of my children to know what was going on in their lives when they were little, that I should write it down. Also. Uh, I was hoping that it would help other people who go through any situation in life where they're disappointed, they face a trauma, um, loss, grief, and, and hopefully through my experience, they might come to a place of resolution where they can live peacefully with their disappointment. So let's talk about that day. How, you know, how did you find out? We all remember where we were during those moments, but it's even, it's so much more poignant for you considering the personal nature of what happened on September 11th. Yes, um, it's. I didn't have the TV on. I was homeschooling my children, and we were actually on our way to uh, loading up the car to go to uh, junior church because I had taken on junior church department. So I was going to set up my classroom and have them do their uh, homeschool. And uh, the phone rang, and it was my brother. And my brother said, "Where's Daddy?" And so I was very confused because uh, I lived in Texas and my brother's in was in New York and and my uh, father's in Virginia and I'm like how would I know where he is and he then he said don't you know the world's coming to an end turn on your TV so I turned on the TV 
And of course, like all Americans or people around the world, were horror struck by what we were witnessing. Um, so we were watching the TV, and uh, my we couldn't get through to my parents because all the lines around DC were down. So he uh, got through to my mom through a conference call through his company's headquarters in. Uh, Northern Virginia and we were able to talk to her and she said oh he's safe he was on a plane going to California uh, you know hours ago and that just kind of made my stomach sick because I knew that those those were the size planes that were being uh, hijacked mm -hmm. and we uh, so my husband asked what flight she was he was on and my mom had to go find his itinerary so I went back to the TV and they said it was confirmed that flight 77 was the plane that hit the pentagon and then i went into my husband's office and just as i went in he says oh he was on flight 77 and at that moment i knew that um that was my father's plane and uh, so i just uh, ran out of the room and collapsed on the floor crying and saying you know, get a hold of yourself. In my mind, I'm saying, get a hold of yourself. You don't know that he was on the plane. And my children came over and hugged me, not knowing what was going on. And so my husband got hold of American Airlines and they said, yes, he had checked in. And I knew that uh, he would get, would have gotten on the plane if he checked in. So that's how I found out. What had your relationship been like with your dad over the years? Um, he was a very quiet, private man. Often we, he didn't say very many words. He couldn't say things like I love you and all. It just was hard for him. But he had his little ways of saying he loved you by like, you'd say something to him and he'd say, how about that? Or you'd say, I love you. And he'd say, how about that? Or, <laughs> um, uh, but he was always there mm -hmm. and he always made us feel safe. Um, he could walk into a room and you knew that everything would be okay because he was there. Um, I don't know. Uh, I can't say that we were close in the sense that we did everything together and talked a lot, but uh, there was a love there and a respect. And and uh, he was very intelligent and we always would go to him for quest to answer questions or to teach us things. I want to talk, Susan, about the the title of this book because I almost didn't I, I I almost didn't want to read it because I thought the the God who let me down silent silent resolve and the God who let me down. Can you explain a little bit about the title and what that faith journey was like for you because of what happened on September 11th? Right. Uh, well, the title came from two places. We got many condolences uh, letters from important people in the government because my father worked uh, as a civilian contractor with Department of Defense. And one of the letters mentioned that they respected my father's silent resolve. And I thought, yes, that uh, is my father. He didn't talk much, but he had a resolve to be uh, a good person, to live with integrity and uh, and, and live for God. and. Um, the other half of the title, and I debated whether to use it, uh, was because I was having the conversation with my pastor right after I lost my dad. And he, bless his heart, was trying to con console me and 
he said the words, well, your father's in a better place. And even though that was true in my hurt, that did not help me. And I remember uh, almost sticking my finger in his face and saying, I wasn't ready to lose him. I want him here now. God let me down. And so I used it in the title because a lot of times we're raised not to ever question the ways of God. And so I was trying not to, but at the same time, he was supposed to protect my father. He promised to protect us, and and he didn't. In fact, my father wasn't going to take that flight, but he changed his mind and got on the plane. And so he wasn't led away from danger. He was led into danger. And so I had a hard time dealing with that. In fact, I felt like everything I had stood on in my faith was ripped out from underneath me. And I know that there are many people who experience uh traumas and uh, pain and grief and they feel the same way so I decided to use it as my title so that people who feel that way will be drawn to the book and in that maybe find some kind of help uh, through the experiences that I faced. For people who have been let down in this type of situation, this is often a faith breaker. This is this is this can be the end for someone saying again, God, you let me down. I was so faithful and so true and so connected, and I've been let down so deeply that they take a turn away from from their own faith, their own relationship with God, their own right. faith journey. What was that like for you? Did that happen for you at all, or were you, were you deterred? What was that journey like? Well. It didn't keep me from loving and serving God, but there is this one area in my life that I couldn't face him on because if I looked him in the eye, he would know how disappointed I was in him. And so I kind of led my life those first few months avoiding the topic with God. Um, but he has clever ways of reaching out to us even though we're questioning and we're disappointed and we may have some anger, he has a way of patiently waiting for us and then reaching out to us in, in ways that we may not expect. So do you think that this made your faith uh, different or, or stronger or less robust? It has actually propelled me. It is my faith in God is much deeper now than it ever was. It's more real, and and I'm not afraid to to uh, face God in situations that in the past maybe I, I wanted to be that good Christian that never said anything that was uh, I don't know how to say it. Uh, maybe what could be viewed as disrespectful by some people, but I see it as a way of trying to come to terms and understand what, what God's doing. Yeah, because it had to have been just such profound grief in those days after, and I remember you saying each, each and every minute was an ordeal. Each and every minute was something to get through. Right. Can you describe what those days and months were like? Well, basically we were all in shock. And I remember feeling like I had to be instructed what to do. I didn't know, I felt like a, a marionette with strings on attached to me and people having to tell me, now go here, now let's do this, and just going through the motions of living without really feeling as I was part of it. Um, I was like out of myself. 
uh, I remember trying to uh, do the dishes and I'd say, okay, unload the dishwasher, just unload the dishwasher, that's all you have to do. And so I'd unload the dishwasher and then I'd say, okay, now you just have to put the dishes, the dirty dishes in the dishwasher. Don't think about anything else, just do that. And I would live each day just going, just get through that, that task, that moment. And you can't think beyond that because it's just so painful to think of the world without my dad. Mm what we're going through right now is not like September 11th, but it is a time where so many people are experiencing such deep grief. So many people have, have lost family members to this pandemic or are, are separated from family members for extended periods of time. They don't know when they'll be able to see their loved ones again. And, you know, and some have lost them without even so much as a, a goodbye or, or a funeral. Was there a turning point for you in terms of coping, in terms of getting to the other end where your faith was strengthened? And, and if so, what can, you know, what can we glean from that? What, what's the takeaway for other people? Well, my experience was, um, it seems strange, but uh, we, were, well, we were lucky to have remains of my father and we received them around Thanksgiving time. So it, we decided to get everyone together around Christmas to bury my father and you know it's hard enough to bury a loved one but then to have it three months after when all that numbness has gone away and the full force of your grief hits you and then you have to go through a burial um, so my husband decided to take me to a movie before we were to uh, leave to go to, to Virginia and uh, uh, he chose to take me to see the Fellowship of the Ring, and I was never interested in uh, the Lord of the Rings because it was a story I felt that would be more for boys than for girls. And mm -hmm. but anyway, we went to this movie, and there is the scene where uh, Frodo goes to Gandalf, and he says, "I wish this had never happened. I wish I had it hadn't come in my time." And Gandalf turns around and he looks, it seemed to me that he was looking right at me. The audience melted away and I had this beam of light that went from me to him. And he said, that's not for you, or so do all who live to see such times, but that's not for you to decide. All you have to do is uh, decide what you wanna do with the time that's given you. And in that moment, I felt this weight just lift off of me and I just wept. And so then I threw myself into everything Tolkien, trying to find these words, realizing that this was a man who knew grief all his life. He experienced grief and loss. And, and in The Lord of the Rings, he just he tells us from his experience uh, what it's all about, what this grief and how do we resolve our feelings. And well, then I started thinking, well, I really should be doing this with the Word of God. So I started going into the Word and it opened up that that uh, communication with God where I could face him and say, you know, what, uh, what's going on? How could you do this to me? You know, and, and it just uh, allowed him to answer me. It was like in uh, Job or Habakkuk where they wow. question God and uh, he lets them talk to him and just spill out all their grief and their anger and their disappointment. And, and then finally God says, okay, now let me talk. 
And so he began talking to me and ex and uh, helping me to come to a realization that uh, it's not about me. It's it's a much bigger picture. The things that are going on in the world. And Susan, it's interesting, at the beginning of this interview, you were sort of alluded to the fact, and I think this is very relatable to, you know, you want to be that girl that doesn't question, that follows her faith, that, you know, she, she, she went to her Bible studies and she went to Sunday school growing up and then she taught the Sunday school and never questioned. And, and, and you almost feel bad to question. And it wasn't until you truly questioned and had that anger that your faith came full circle. Am I understanding that correctly? That is correct. You know, you can't hide from God. He knows what you're thinking. So you might as well just say, this is what I'm I'm feeling, Lord. You know, what what do I do? How do I understand it? And and when you do that and you start seeking answers, you're, you seek him and, and then eventually you come face to face with him and look him right in the eye. You know, I felt at one point where I could almost feel his breath on my face um, and him, uh, being there, and I didn't mention this earlier, but before I got that phone call, mm. uh, the kids and I were doing Bible study, and the topic happened to be uh, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego being placed in that fiery furnace. Okay. And when I was teaching them this lesson, I said to them, no matter what fiery furnace you go through, no matter what life deals you, you still have to serve God. And in that moment, my father's plane was crashing into the Pentagon. Mm. And I did not understand, when I said those words, I didn't know I was going to live it and have to show it to my children. So it was important to me to be a good example for them how they, uh, you know, they'll face grief in their life. And I wanted to be a good example for how they could face life. But it's, it's really hard when you're going through it to be a good example because you're just struggling. Yeah, it's one thing to read from the Word and to share a passage with your children and tell them this may happen to you someday. It's a different thing to try to live in the image of God and, and you know, follow mm -hmm. that out yourself. So I really, I, I hear you on how hard that, that must have been. In, in your experience, for people who are really, again, in, in the thick of grief right now or have, are, st are struggling with grief mm -hmm. and loss, do you think that there is any sort of getting over getting over it when it comes to grief and loss or does it does the pain just subdue a little you don't get over it because things are never the same and you're not the same i mean every every wound that you take leaves a scar and you carry that scar with you but it does heal in the sense that you can carry that scar and it not destroy you not define you you can you incorporate it into who you are and it does affect who you are uh, but you don't have to carry it all the time. And what helped me is when you think about Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, uh, God entered into the fire with them. Mm. There were four people when there should have been three walking through that furnace, and they came out unharmed. And so that teaches us that we are going to face fiery furnaces. All of us are. But we're not alone, that God is there not watching us, but in there with us. And if we lean on him, we can get through it. He did tell us that we would have tribulation in this world. We will all face grief and we will all suffer because we're in this world. But we don't have to do it alone. Hmm. Yeah, this, this part of the show is obviously called Second Shot. We talk about second shot sit-downs. We look at all walks of life and how people have had sort of a second shot or how their life has changed. What's the most profound difference 
before your dad's passing and after in terms of how you've changed? For one thing, I was thinking about this uh, the other day, and I think that the way I pray has changed. Mm. Um, my life, I take more seriously, but at the same time, it makes me be more adventurous. It's like, you don't know how much time you have. Tomorrow isn't guaranteed. And if there's anything you ever wanted to do, now's the time to do it. Not someday, because someday may not come. Um, at one point, uh, my father met my youngest child when he was three months old. And when they were leaving, I thought, oh, I didn't get a picture of him with the baby. And I said, oh, well, we'll do it next time. And we never got a next time. Mm. Uh, he was killed before he got to be with him again. So you can't depend on next time. Uh, so what I did is I started writing books. And uh, in that writing, I found healing and resolution and was able to let go of the burden of carrying it. Yeah, the burden of carrying it, that's interesting. I think we all have our own way of, of expression and, and carrying, and I, I so appreciate what you're saying about something as simple as a picture. Just if you want to do it, take that picture, enjoy that moment, soak, soak it all in right then. Uh, I, I don't want to take, I'm not quite done with the book. I'm partway through very much enjoying it, but it's a rich text. I mean, it, it's not, um, you know, you know it's, it's deep. It's a deep book. So can you explain for everybody what the journey is that the book's going to take them on? Well, it's going to start with the raw emotion of what I experienced. I, I debated how to tell the story, and I thought I have to tell it truthfully. And so I just opened myself up, stripped down to my naked soul, and spilled out all of it, all the questions, all the confusion, all the pain. And, and then you'll travel with me through that journey and all the things I tried to collect all of the readings I did or the, the circumstances in which I felt helped me. So I wrote it in there and through it all, you'll see how God reached out to me and how he, he touched me and how I grew with him and, and ultimately how I released my father to him. So here we are two decades later. How does it feel when you think about it or, or visit the book or think about, um, think about your dad and think about your dad's memory? Well, I'm first of all very proud to be his daughter. Um, I still suffer grief. Uh, in the book I write about how the grief is a spiral and you climb up it and then you slip back. It's not linear where you just climb a ladder and you get out. It's, it's an up and down thing. And when it gets to be this time of year, the grief hits me. Sometimes I have bad dreams about it, but it is not as uh, debilitating as it was in the beginning. Uh, yeah, that's interesting. I, I do think that people have a sort of, we all have this false sense of hope when, when dealing with grief that you're gonna just climb out and it'll be over and gone. And when that doesn't happen, that can be really debilitating all over again because you think, well, what happened? I thought after this amount of time. So I, I do appreciate you just being open about the fact that it doesn't end, but um, it sounds like you're, you're just able to be more productive and still you know, continue to process the feelings. For people who are in the middle of grief right now, is this an okay book for them to read right now while they're really fighting through it? Would that be helpful or is it one that you wanna wait a little bit longer for? 
I think it would be helpful. Um, but I always say if you start the book, you can't not finish it because you have to get to the end to see uh, the light at the end of the, the tunnel. Um, and I also would, would advise people, don't hide from your grief. It, it will just make you ill. Uh, face your grief. Every picture you look at of that person you've lost will bring up memories that you have to grieve over. Um, and you just have to delve into it. It's painful, but you have to do it. Otherwise, it will haunt you forever. Susan, thank you so much for, for joining us. Remind everybody where they can get the book. Of course, you guys can get it at Savannah's Meadow if you're lucky enough to get a spot in the treehouse. Um, it's just, it's the most phenomenal, beautiful, serene place. So I know you can get it at the gift shop there if you happen to be okay. in Texas, but where else can people get it? Well, Amazon, Barnes & Noble, I even saw that Walmart was carrying it online, so <laughs> you can get it anywhere. <laughs> Susan, thank you for having this conversation about faith. You know, we're not scared of having any kind of conversation on this show and with our audience, so uh, thank you for delving into this and for, for being open about your grief. I, I, I do, do trust that I know that's not easy for you, but I also know that it's significantly going to help some other people. So thank you so much. Oh, well, thank you. You bet. All right, you guys, if you want some information about the book, it is linked up with this show. Don't forget Second Shot Sit Downs air every Thursday on CW 33, 10 to 11 a.m. Uh, give us a shout out on Spotify or iHeartRadio or iTunes or wherever you're listening if you're doing the audio version of this. And I will link up her book, Susan's website, and all the background information on the site there. We'll talk to you soon.